Good morning, rise in freedom. I'm Austin Peterson. You're watching and listening to the Wake Up America Show at wakeupamericashow.com. Yes, there's a show today. And we are live. It's no pre-record here. Are you not giggling over there on my side? What is it? This Freedom Family Friday? Is that is that my smoking hot redheaded libertarian wife over there? Wait, oh no. It's no, no, no. It's even better. It's Edie Vogel joining us in studio today. Oh my goodness, no smoking hot wife over here today. <laughs> Just me. Smoking hot Edie Vogel here today. Jefferson City Luminary. Nice to see you. Good to see you again. How have you been, Edie? Well, I'm still kicking. <laughs> As we can see. You know, ups and downs with uh, sinus congestion and earaches and, you know, that type of thing that I think everybody's got again. But uh, I'm not going to... Uh, get worried about it it's just the way it is don't worry be happy that's We're right try to have exactly some fun right. today don't forget eat that mic Edie. get in there close okay there, there we you go, go. Okay. go right into All that right. thing okay. there how are you Good. doing today audience nice to see you here we've got a great two-hour show for you of course since it's wednesday we've got a regular scheduled uh appearance by judge andrew napolitano who's going to be joining us this morning at 8 a.m central time i want to hear from him about his thoughts about the election of Javier Millet, the anarcho-capitalist president of Argentina. We were just talking about it a couple minutes ago. Edie, you were kind of excited about it. Well, uh, you know, I uh, I know we don't get any decent news from the mainstream media, and I I do still occasionally listen to uh, the conspiracists, conspiracists, that are, conspiracists, whatever whoever they are and whatever they do, I do enjoy them <laughs> because I, I think they're. Uh, they don't get marching orders from anybody. They do their own thing like you do. Mm -hmm. And so uh, when we were chatting about the election, um, I said, I think this might be good. And I was quizzing you and asking you because I do, did not really follow it. But I did hear this morning or yesterday morning on mainstream media that, uh, uh, you know, the reason that everybody's kind of interested is because they counted paper ballots. And they got it all done in one day without uh, a glitch. How and dare this, you? This guy won. So So we'll we'll definitely gonna we're gonna have a conversation about him. I mean, we've got to uh, she she's uh see Edie is not familiar with the terms anarcho capitalist, minarchist. <laughs> well, well, I've heard them, well, and common sense will tell you what they lead to. Oh, okay, so uh, you know what? This would be fun. Yeah. What if you could guess what? What is an anarcho-capitalist? Anti. Anti what? Anti-capitalist. No. No. Positive. No. As pro-capitalist. Pro. Oh, so see, I'm definitely dumb, dumb today. <laughs> so that's okay. Get it out. Get it out. An anarcho-capitalist. So basically, a pure capitalist, someone okay. who believes in no government, but Capitalism, private trade, uh, privatization, free markets, free trade, uh, liberalization of markets. Okay. Right. So basically, um, the opposite of an anarcho-communist, an anarcho-communist, right? Who is like you know hard, pure, pure, pure communist. communist okay. Right. Well, I learned something today. So, Thank you. A pure <laughs> capitalist, if you will. Right. So okay. we're we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show. We've got lots of fun content today because it's the day before Thanksgiving. Gobble, gobble. Are you looking forward to having a nice meal, Edie? I don't, I, you know, it's just another day that everybody gets together and you figure out, you know, well, who's going to bring this and who's not going to bring that? And, you know, I just kind of get my instructions and go. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We'd love to hear from our listeners today about what you're doing for the holiday season. We are hearing that there might be some winter storms that might snarl Thanksgiving travels. So 
We'll give you an update about that today. You can text the show and let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586. Again, the text lines are open and that's true night or day, uh, 24-7, 365 days a year. You can always text me and say hello, 573-319-1586. That's 573-319-1586. We love to hear from our listeners today on what's going on in the world. So uh, if you've got something going on in your world, let us know. Okay. Uh, Edie, Mm -hmm. so why don't we just go ahead and start the show with something a little bit fun. Uh, Before we get to the Fruit Loops topic here, (laughs) um, four different types of Thanksgiving sides. I want you to tell me uh, which one has to go. Okay, so of the four Thanksgiving sides, one has to go and we cannot have anymore forever is deleted from history thanksgiving sides one cranberry sauce two stuffing three mashed potatoes four green bean casserole uh you want my personal opinion yeah, this is your personal opinion of these one, one green of these. bean casserole what boo <laughs> boo there is a correct answer to this, by the way. And, and it's probably and cranberry. It's cranberry yes, sauce. It, yes. You, well, you like cranberry sauce, I, eh? I, I, there's something about it next on the, I like to lay it on, put some next to my turkey and take a bite of the turkey and then a little bit of cranberry sauce mm-hmm. to kind of wash it down mm-hmm. if it's, a, if it's dry and usually turkey is dry, so. Um, I like double chocolate chocolate chip ice cream. Somebody texted in and says, I like double. They want me to prove that we're alive <laughs> by saying I like double chocolate chip ice cream. Yes. Uh, one listener texted in this morning and says that the day before Thanksgiving is, in my opinion, one of the busiest travel days of the year. Um, I think sense. it is. You know, as long as the judge has got whatever his name is, got the, got the airplanes <laughs> flying in the air instead of sitting on a tarmac somewhere, you know, Buddha judge, Buddha judge oh, whatever Buddha his judge. name is. What a, what a disaster in the, oh, never mind. No, just, it's okay. Go ahead. I mean, Go ahead. this, there's somebody that is just made a mess of our travel plans. <laughs> I mean, I know the airlines kind of have a thing in it too, but he sure, for, he for sure has not um done anybody any favors in whatever his title is and he they congress should withdraw his salary and i saw i think i read somewhere where they're thinking about doing that somebody introduced that well the good news is this Edie, is that if if the current polls are to be believed then uh at the moment it's quite possible that donald trump might be elected as our president of the united states again i'm gonna tell you i haven't changed any in that i'm still a trumpster trumpster Mm -hmm. she's a hardcore trumpertarian yep She's uh, Edie Vogel, and she's joining us live in studio. She's a local Jefferson City luminary, former Jefferson City councilwoman, and uh, she's also a good friend of the show and a big supporter of ours. We're grateful to have Edie here today with us on set for the Thanksgiving special as we uh, all prepare to stuff ourselves silly. Um, I love stuffing. Stuffing is delicious, so I can't say goodbye to stuffing. Mashed potatoes is like... How could you say no to mashed potatoes? Right, right. I could understand why you might say goodbye to green bean casserole, but do you like it in general or just the uh, one you like the least? I, it's something that I can guarantee you that at every Thanksgiving meal that I remember as a kid, mm-hmm. we didn't have that. Really? Uh, and I'm trying to think back. We might have had green beans, mm-hmm. but they didn't put 
you know, and when you think of the casserole, well, I don't even, is it cream of mushroom soup? Yeah. And it's delicious. Uh, and the onion, the fried onion things, do they go in, go in that? Yeah. Yeah. See, the fried onions on top. Oh, so I mean, I good. like green beans, but I don't, I don't think any of my grandma's made it that way. I think they just up a can of I, blue lake, long, uh, blue lake green beans. Okay. And, and Del Monte. That'd be Del Monte brand. So maybe the reason why I didn't like the um, the cranberry sauce is because when we had it as a kid, it would just like come out of the can. It was that gelled stuff. And <laughs> it would come out of the can, right? And it'd just be like a big like can-shaped right. thing. And it was very unappetizing yes, looking for me. I would me. agree with you on that. So yeah, so maybe that's why, because we didn't like have fresh cranberry sauce or anything like that. Maybe I would have liked it if it was fresh, but but green bean casserole was a staple. But you know what else like what is a hot holiday item is the deviled eggs, which apparently it, are not I, easy to make. I well, you know, but uh, I do like deviled eggs, mm -hmm. and um, I can eat me some deviled eggs, man. You know, when we're sweet, you're leaving out the sweet potatoes. Well, oh yeah, yeah, sweet potatoes. <laughs> that's part of it. Hey, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to forget about my sweet potatoes. I here. would, I would much rather have sweet potatoes than a green bean casserole. So. I didn't like those as a kid. Now I do. Yeah, but yeah, yeah so sweet potatoes definitely on there with the with the um with the marshmallows on top. Well, nice now I'm going to be odd and tell you I don't care about the marshmallows. You don't want the marshmallows on top? A little bit of butter and the brown sugar and uh, yes. uh, just a sprinkling of pecans. Okay. Oh, that actually sounds really good. Yeah, now yeah, I'm yeah. hungry. Yeah, no. How Dang. dare you? How dare you make me hungry this morning? Uh, if you're just tuning in the Wake Up America show, good morning. We're glad to have you here. 224 people watching us live. What's up? How you doing, America? I'm Austin Peterson, joined by my friend Edie Vogel. She lives here in Jefferson City with me. She's a friend of the show. And we're having a little Thanksgiving special today, bringing you glad tidings of comfort and joy. Yes, yes we are. I, is the Christmas music started on yeah, the radio? Oh yeah, okay. oh yeah. And we're into it. You know, Stephanie loves Christmas. She loves Christmas. She's already started decorating, but we haven't put the tree up. You know, she her, her family is uh, from the side of God's chosen people. So, but she never got to, so she never got to celebrate Christmas right. growing up, but uh -huh. she always wanted to. So now that she can, we, we basically, we celebrate all the holidays. Uh, and so, uh, when her mom comes today, she's mm -hmm. coming in today. If she can get here. She's going to get here. She's, she's going to get here. Flying. She's flying in, but into St. Louis. Don't worry. Well, she's going to get here. Okay. I, oh no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that she does. She so. does. She okay. does. She will. She will. The luck of the luck of the Petersons. Uh, trust me. I'm a very lucky man. Uh, we're going to have her in today and then we're going to uh, decorate the tree together. So we're going to put up the tree. Have you put up your tree yet? Austin. What? I have in my big house, mm -hmm. I have a, oh, I think it's around a four foot tree that stays up year round. Okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've got enough rooms I can do that. Oh, that's nice. And then there's a little one, a table tree in the dining room that stays up year round. Mm-hmm. This year was the year that I got to put new lights on my big 50-foot pine tree out in the front yard. Oh, that's cool. So uh, I'm, I'm patiently waiting. And I noticed last night that there, people do have lights on. Mm -hmm. And I kind of always prefer to light the tree on the first Sunday in Advent. Oh, okay. Which will be December the third or fourth, whatever the day is that of this first Sunday. Mm -hmm. And and then I thought, well, maybe on Thanksgiving, like they do up in the plaza in Kansas City, turn mm -hmm. on the lights then. So I love that you I, call it plaza too. I haven't, I just haven't made up my mind yet, you okay. know, but uh, I've kind of, I kind of have 
just said, if all the lights come on this year, it'll be because I've, I've been doing this since 2005. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I leave it as a gift to Jefferson City on my hillside. When you come across the Missouri River Bridge, you can't miss it. Okay. And so I'm, I'm hope then hoping, hopeful that when I flip the switch, they'll all come on. Oh, by the way, how do you pronounce P-E-C-A-N? I saw something the other day and I'm going to P-E-C-A-N. Pecan? Pecan. So it's P-U-H-C-A-H-N, pecan. Pecan. Not pecan. I you don't pee in you, the can. You, you, and, I, and that's what I was referring to, I think, is pecan, pecan. Pecan. Yeah, that's what I say. Pecan. Pecan, pecan pie. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Now, I might not come out in five minutes the same way with me. <laughs> <laughs> like Missouri and Missouri. Yeah, so, it could be either uh, way. It could yeah, be either way. Right. For sure, for sure. For right. those of you who are tuning in this morning, <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. Happy yes. holidays. Glad to have you here. I'm Austin Peterson with Edie Vogel. We're having a good time today. Click the like button and subscribe to the channel. Just an FYI, we will be out tomorrow and Friday spending time with family, but we'll be back next week. The Wake Up America show typically streams Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time, and it's a great way to start your day and learn about what's going on in the world, but today's a little bit of a Thanksgiving special, so we're going to sweeten it up um, with some little cranberry sauce and sweet potatoes, and we're going to have and some... And pecans. Speaking of sweet... Did you, uh, you heard the story I told you this morning that Fruit Loops has gone woke? You, I, when you mentioned that, I thought, I sure am glad I never liked Fruit Loops. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, I just, they are I, a that's bit fruity. one thing. I don't, maybe we miss, cereal was not a big thing to eat in my house. No. You know, I'm a big cereal guy. I, I love cereal. I just, I do occasionally like uh, the Rice Krispies or Corn Flakes, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but all that other, stuff that you know the kids, sugary stuff I've just lucky charms mm -mm. they're always after me lucky charms well here's the story kellogg's cereal brand fruit loops is facing boycott calls for offering consumers a digital library of children's books that promote equality diversity and and inclusion boxes of the cereal in canada including include a promotional tag to a free online library purchasers and their family can use a resource to learn how incredibly colorful and diverse the world can be. So it was it's it was created by the Boys and Girls Club of Canada to help families explore diverse topics. Uh, but now people are calling for a boycott on social media. I'm not a big Fruit Loops guy. I do like cereal, but again, why can't they leave the kids alone, Edie? Why can't they just leave the kids the hell alone? Uh, you know, Austin, I just I don't understand why they have to interfere with children's development. Mm -hmm. I just don't, and I'm not the expert to speak of it because I have no children, but I've been surrounded by my nieces and my nephews, you know, all my life and they've got their children now. So I'm on the next, I just, I don't understand it. Why, why a kid can't be a kid? Well, here's, here's what my brother says. Well, but real quick, I want to say thank you to Studio 314 who dropped a couple dollars in the tip jar this morning. Thanks guys. Appreciate that. Spread the love this morning. They're dropping a little cash in the tip jar. Help us very much. Poor children at Christmas. Uh, Studio 314, we're very grateful for that. He says, thanks, AP for Liberty. My house smells like mint. He's he's. We have a holiday coffee that's um, called Martha's Mint, like Martha, okay. and Martha you were, Washington. And you were showing me your uh, new adventure. The new yeah. coffee, yes. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about that here a little bit later. But 
When it comes to Fruit Loops, Fruit Loops on Parade, says Joni Rankin. Very funny. (laughs) (laughs) CJ824 says bye-bye Fruit Loops. Um, The funny thing is about uh, this. Here's what my brother uh, said this. This is not my words. These are his. And he's gay. He says that since they can't reproduce, they have to recruit. What do you think of that? My brother's not woke. No, I real. I yeah. yes, I real. I know. Yeah. I, so he's he's but, he's gotten red pilled. So he's like he says he said about he says the gay community has gone off the rails. He says that they've gone they've gone woke, and uh, he can't follow them down that path. He says that they need to keep away from kids, and he says that the reason why they go after kids like this is because they don't have their own kids, and so they've got to go after yours. What do you think of that? I think I have to agree with him. Yeah. Yeah, that's as, controversial, as a straight, isn't as a straight it? white conservative female. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who's not a lesbian? Well, it's like it's kind of like right. <laughs> she's not a lesbian because she's not married. She's not married. But it's kind of like this, you know, the Israel Hamas conflict thing mm-hmm. has really like divi- put people along like new division lines. Because mm-hmm. think about this. Think about what how um, the Jewish Democrats who were funding all these colleges and are pulling all of their money out there, realizing... Because of what's happened. Because of how yeah. what, what a stupid mistake it was. It, well, it, it's... Funding the left, it's just, what they've turned into. It just seems like that's another thing in my uh, age that I have attained, mm-hmm. which I'm still surprised that I've made it this long, mm-hmm. is <laughs> the fact that our higher institutes of knowledge have turned into a... Um, select organization of protesters who don't know what they're protesting about except mean hatefulness well it what i'm my point is of this is that it so like the gay community is now because of this wokeness is now splitting them up because it used to be that there was very monolithic right like kind of a voting block and it was the same with jewish democrats right where the jewish democrats were on the side of all these wokesters too and were funding yes. all this in college right. campuses until the until October seventh happened, and, it, and yeah. all of a sudden it's like, oh no, what have we done? Look at these mistakes That's that we've right. made. That's right. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Donald Trump's election next year comes because of minorities who are going to vote for him, which are doing more and more. So a lot of the polls that I'm seeing for Donald Trump are showing that increased numbers of minorities. Are looking to vote for him. They don't like, you know, not having jobs and being broke and Bidenomics, you know. And I would not be surprised if more people from the LGBT community, people like my brother, who don't hate America, who want to have live in a free country, who don't want to support Hamas, who would throw him off a roof if he was in Gaza, right? Uh, if they won't contribute to the re-election of Donald Trump, your thoughts? I can't disagree with you, but my main concern is how are we going to pull off a fair election to where we don't have the the I don't know injection of ballots from under the table mm-hmm. in the mailbox, you know, just just I just I, that's the key, whole key to the next year's election is the is going to be how can we make it fair? Well. I mean, I, and maybe I know it's... that I know states have worked really hard, uh, red states particularly, to get their get their way they vote in order. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I take for instance here in Jefferson City, I think the uh, uh, Cole County Courthouse is hearing the identification, uh, you know, the IDs. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm anxious to see what uh, the judge rules on that. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, Missouri has because one of the we stricter. Have, we, we have, have a stricter. state law that says you show your ID. I love it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. I love it. That the, I love the meme that I saw recently where it's like the left wants uh, to, wanted to force us to show our vaccine cards. But they didn't want to show, make a show ID to vote. No, see, I mean, that, you know, well, we that we all learned that was fake. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, so. Um, Absolutely. You know, uh, those three years we lost in our life mm-hmm. because of uh, the line of the government to the United States citizens. Yes. So, uh, you know, uh, by the way, speaking of Donald Trump, you know, here in Missouri, we're not doing a primary this yes, year. I understand. Have you ever done a caucus? Uh, you know, I belong to uh, those little Republican, our little, you know, local Republican. I, I'm not part, I'm not a member of the Cole County Republican, uh, you know, they have a, they, they're, you're elected by wherever you, your ward, or mm-hmm. wherever you live. Well, I'm not that, but I do belong to the, I guess the social club of the, and we have been explained that that's, uh, that we were have, we will have a caucus versus us going to the polls and, you know, selecting. I like that. And, I, I, I kind of I think I remember as old as I am, I think I attended one of those a long time ago and it was up in Sedalia, Missouri. Okay. So it's I think it's based on your congressional district. Mm-hmm. And so um we have been away from that for I don't how many elections. Yeah, because we had of, primaries. Yeah. You just show up, you vote, and then yeah, you're done. Yeah. I like caucuses better because it rewards loyalty and it rewards um your ability to stick around and to fight it out for and your that, candidate. And that's exactly what the le- our local leadership of the arrangement of the caucus that thank you is held going to be held mm-hmm. in March. Yeah. Was is that that, you know, it shows your determination of who you want to really I like support. that better than because I just don't like the idea that like people think, oh, it's my civic responsibility to vote. But most people don't vote in primaries anyway. But and most people don't vote overall, uh, but <laughs> never do it. But can understand I, you know, that if either. there's going to be, quote unquote, hurdles to voting, I like the idea that you have to show up and you have to actually politic. You have to meet your neighbors and you have to build coalitions with them. and You have to learn how the system works. Quest Fanning just dropped $10 in the tip jar. Happy Thanksgiving, Quest. Thank you very much. He says, organize getting the mail-in ballots to veterans and the Republicans will win. That's a great idea. Yeah. Appreciate that, Quest. Thank you. True. So the idea behind the caucus is that you have to build coalitions to be able to build a majority. Yeah. My belief is, is that at this point, I think Donald Trump is going to win. So, so I, here's the thing. So I don't see any point in, in going to the caucus and just caucusing for Trump. So I think it, if I want to help shape the future of the Republican Party, and you know what we haven't talked about yet, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. I'm thinking about caucusing for Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> you, you, uh. It's something else. Yeah, I like him. Uh, you know, I think. Um, you, you don't have to like him. You want to. No. You could talk smack if you want. No, no, I like him. Oh, OK, and, you do. All right. Well, because I just think he's just kind of a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, he might be a robotic type individual, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> what he comes out of his mouth is. It's. I mean, it's, it's appealing to it, my ears. I'm glad you see that. Is, I'm glad you like that because like yeah. he is very cl- similar, close, closer to what I am as okay. a Republican. I mean, he's he's his intelligence never stops mm-hmm. and he doesn't. I don't I just really I, 
So my hope is that if he can make a big enough splash and get enough of a vote total that Trump might I choose him as his vice. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. I would like to I'm see okay that with that. That's not I'll look at that. Conservatives and libertarians yeah. Yeah. getting together, you know, and along. I, I think the folks are also uh, kind of enamored by Nikki Haley Ooh. and Austin, <laughs> I don't care for her. I don't like her. You're awesome, Edie. This is why we get along. And I, it's and it's now the gal from up in the Dakotas, mm-hmm. Christy. Oh, Christy Noem. I I can take I can like yeah, her. Same. Same. But there's something about Nikki Haley that I just. Tr- I think she wants to start World War Three. Well, that's kind of <laughs> that's my concern. Is she's a little too George Bush for me, you know? And it's not that it, like. I don't despise George Bush like some people do, but I don't think that the Republican Party needs to continue in that direction, right? I, well, I, just, I want, I like Trump's foreign policy. We're trying to, we're trying to drain the away. swamp. We're trying to get away from all this killing of these innocent people. Exactly. We want, and we want less war. We want yes, to have peace. We, peace. Yeah. Exactly. And I, you know, I think we need peace through strength. I think that Trump demonstrated that in a foreign policy way, right? I think people knew not to well, mess we with Trump. We weren't at. Yeah. Oh, you know what? You're preaching the car. I just don't. Under, I just uh, I still think, though, back to the our, our point about Trump is going to be the nominee no matter what. Yes. Agreed. Uh, unless they do get arrest him and throw his butt in jail. Oh, somebody and, texted in and asked, what is a caucus? They don't know what it is. Do you know what it is? Can you explain well, it? You better. Do, you, you're more into it than I don't want to make a mistake. No, it's so, okay. I'll explain it. For, I'll explain yeah. it so our listeners yeah. understand. Yeah. So a caucus is different from a primary because a primary, you show up to a uh, polling location, you cast your ballot, fill in the circles, and you put it in the voting machine, the counting machine, and then you go home and you're done. A caucus is an all-day event. If you want to uh, vote in a caucus, you have to show up, you have to stick around for hours while voting is done, and you, you form little groups of people based on who you want to support. And what usually what will happen is, is it'll be like in, in a, like a school gym, and you'll go to, one, they'll say, okay, if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, go to this corner. If you're a supporter of Nikki Haley, go to this corner. If you're a supporter of Vivek, go to this corner, and so on and so on. And so what happens is, is you see, they'll be like, okay, we're going to have like four or five rounds of voting that you will see about who has the most support based on how many people are there. Now, if it looks like two candidates have about the same amount of votes that might overtake the first place candidate, what will usually happen is by the second or third round, you'll see, okay, nobody's voting for Nikki Haley where are her voters going to go? And then, then politicking happens because they'll, what, what, what'll happen is everybody will have like 15 minutes to do huddles and be like, okay, come over here. You guys, we're going to give you guys this number of votes. If you guys will take uh, this number of votes and it becomes this whole deal of like, you know, maybe a little of arm twisting and stuff like that. It's like, Hey, listen, I made the green bean casserole for your Thanksgiving dinner last year. You need to come over here and support me or whatever. Or it's just like, hey, Vivek is much closer to Donald Trump than he is to Nikki Haley. So come over to Vivek's side, right, or whatever. And so by the end of the day, by maybe the fifth or sixth round of voting, there'll be like a simple majority that'll be obvious. And there'll be like a first place winner, a second place winner, and a third place winner. So you're all essentially acting like politicians. Like a, it's like a mini Congress. And, and, and not, I, don't yeah, forget the Democrats will do the same thing. Yes, the Democrats it's, will it's do both that too. Par- both parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So both parties will have a caucus here in Missouri. 
I prefer the caucus system because it's it's better. It, it's it rewards loyalty. You shouldn't. To me, I don't like the idea that people feel like they've done their civic duty by just showing up for five minutes and filling in a bubble. Okay, the the founding fathers did not envision a democracy where people were just you know filling out a, a ballot and then going home. First of all, they didn't envision women voting. One, that's true. And two, people that didn't own property voting. Two, yeah. and, and lots of things. However, they they the system was set up for participation. If you want to be a part of the American system, you should have to participate. If you want to have a say in government, you have to show up, okay? And it's not just show up, here's my little bubble, and I fill it in, and I go home. No. If you want to, voting is force. And if you want to use force on your fellow citizens and have your agenda passed, then you need to convince your fellow citizens why your candidate or why your agenda is superior, and you should have to do so through that the, the caucus process, which I find to be much more democratic and much more fair than just, oh, we just have a masses of people showing up and voting in a bubble. And it's like, who can, you didn't talk to each other. You didn't have any conversations. To me, a caucus fosters a sense of community. I would agree. Yes. That, that's my view on these things. So I wonder what you think. Um, if, you're, if you're just tuning in the morning, good morning. Uh, tuning into the show this morning, good morning. I'm Austin Peterson. We're glad to have you here. Um, I'm joined by Edie Vogel, who's joining us live in studio this morning. Edie good morning. is a Jefferson City luminary. <laughs> I don't know about that luminary. Part. I love that word. Uh, and we're glad to have you. Click that like button and subscribe to the channel. We'd love to have you come back and join us here every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time here on the program. We're going to move on to the next topic, how to botch an assassination investigation today November 22nd is the anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. And I heard, I read a really good story in the Wall Street Journal about, it's called How to Botch an Assassination Investigation. And the subtitle is Law Enforcement Learned from the Mistakes of November 1963. When Reagan was shot in 1981, we got it right. So John F. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. And it brought a lot of justifiable scrutiny on law enforcement that should have prevented it, as well as those that investigated it. So 60 years later, we're still declassifying government records, uh, and we're still releasing papers related to it. The Warren Commission's finding that Lee Harvey Oswald, acting alone, fired three rifle shots from the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository Building is widely but not uniformly accepted so um and now the question of course is what have we learned from this that the lessons that we can ap apply today because the kennedy investigation devolved into a fiasco right nobody was in charge the, the fbi the secret service dallas police sheriff's office they were all arguing with each other they all battled over who should be controlling oswald who should control the rifle and other evidence and then they mishandled Oswald, which allowed Jack Ruby to kill him. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh, but... <laughs> no, no. But I mean, like, you know, it's government blunder after government blunder after government blunder. And, and then, of course, this adds fuel to the fire of the conspiracy theories. Pretty much every American would eventually see the death of the president on the Zapruder film. Uh, and then the killing of the assassin while in police custody is also out there for all of us to see. What's interesting, uh, Edie, and then I want to hear your story once I get finished setting this up. Is, is that in 1963, it wasn't a federal crime to kill the president. Oh. So in response to the Kennedy assassination, Congress passed a 1965 law that made assaulting the president a federal crime. 
And the new statute was very clear. The FBI would conduct investigations into attacks on the president. So over the years, FBI agents have been receiving training, emphasizing the lessons that they've learned from the JFK uh, killing. And then other law enforcement agencies will participate in joint training exercises, Secret Service, Capitol Police, et cetera, et cetera. But then 20 years later, on March 30th, 1981, Reagan, Reagan was shot mm. and wounded. And then the investigation of that began. Um, the officer who wrote this piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, says that um, as he was driving to the Washington Hilton, and I've been there and seen it, he says that we have to get this right. I wanted to avoid the turf wars seen in Dallas. Everyone I spoke to that day, including the Secret Service, had the same commitment in mind. We couldn't repeat the mistakes of November 1963. So he says, as he got out of the car at the crime scene, um, the commander of the Washington Metro Police Homicide Unit walked towards him, he's with the FBI, and gave him the 22 caliber revolver that was the uh, from the suspected shooter. Uh, John Hinckley Jr., was then taken to the uh, to the uh, Capitol Police um, prison. How, uh, however, he was then quickly whisked away from there to Quantico, which is the Marine Force base, an hour and a half south of Washington D.C., and held in the Marine brig, the Marines brig, which is very unusual. But that is now, when it comes to like a federal investigation of a presidential assassination. That is the, the, protocol. the protocol now. Well, they take you to the brig where the Marines guard them, right? Highly unusual, but yeah. necessary. Then, of course, Hinckley was found not guilty by reason of insanity. So he finishes it the, well, like this. Mr. Baker is his name. He says, we can be sorrowful that Jack Kennedy, our youngest elected president, was lost to us only after a few years in office. But we can also be grateful that Ronald Reagan, our oldest president at the time, survived to serve two terms in office. On the day Reagan was shot, Law enforcement didn't want to repeat the errors made in Dallas, and to this day, there has never been a, any suggestion of a conspiracy surrounding the Reagan assassination attempt. So, first of all, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on that, and then I'd love to hear your story about uh, where you were, how old you were, and your thoughts about it in general. Uh, let's see. November 22nd, 63. 1963. Uh, I guess I was in either 6th or 7th grade. Mm -hmm. at the St. Joseph's Cathedral School. And, um, of course, at the time before Kennedy was elected, the school, uh, being a Catholic grade school, everybody in the whole school was excited because we were going to get our first Catholic, or, you know. Yeah, first Catholic president. Now, I looked at it a little bit differently because of my family background in regards to uh, their politics. Um uh, my household was uh, staunchly Republican. Mm -hmm. And even though John F. Kennedy was a Catholic, my father particularly was not, that didn't sway him because he didn't like his politics. Really? Because so he was a Democrat. Because he was a Democrat. <laughs> and so when it came time for the we students to come to school, this was at the election in 60, 60 and he was installed in 61. Uh, I'm the only kid. There might have been another one of my classmates to show up with Nixon buttons on. <laughs> <laughs> Nixon now more than ever. And before that, I was the only kid in school that showed up with a Goldwater button on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Goldwater in your heart, you so know he's you right. You can't say that your upbringing might set the 
pace and tone of your life's when you as you grow up because when you're when you're young you're uh you're so susceptible to influence of your parents mm -hmm. so um I just after he was elected, I just we just life just went on. Sure. But that particular Friday, of course, when he was killed, it uh, the school was, you know, it was pretty, pretty morbid. And uh, I kind of just thought, man, I and I was just thought this how this happened. Mm. And so, um, of course, we immediately were summoned to the chapel and started praying. And that wouldn't be unusual due to the fact that we were Catholic. But the main reason that it was so obvious that at the St. Joseph was that our teachers were Irish nuns mm -hmm. who had uh, come from Ireland. They were, they were asked to come by our church to teach us in the newest school, the Catholic school in Jefferson City. So our teachers were these Irish nuns who it was difficult. They spoke English okay, but they had the brogue. You know, they they right. and they had they had weird the Irish brogue. The Irish brogue and oh, they had, actually, yeah, and they had weird expressions. Like it was nothing <laughs> for them to always refer to all of us children as queer. You queer children. <laughs> you queer children. But we had no idea you that, know, that was what, eventually gonna yeah, be yeah. homosexual. Okay. Right. So and then and well, some of the nuns, you know, they were, uh, they like to refer to some of us and wasn't me particularly because I liked a cold classroom mm -hmm. and they make those rooms so hot, you know, and so make you would, sleepy, <laughs> would go for open the window and the other kids, oh, it's cold in here. It's cold in here. And just the nun would holler, <laughs> you lily liver children, we must have fresh air in the classroom and, and just things of that nature. And, uh. I just uh, I thought, OK, it's, you know, still a tragedy. And of course, then all the rest of the weekend, everybody was glued to their television mm -hmm. at home. And you can't I don't think there would have been anybody that did not see the next day, you know, Oswald get, uh, getting arrested and right. shot by Jack Ruby. Yeah. And we saw all that, you know, live in our in our black and white TVs. It's kind of like your 9-11 to some extent, yes, like yes, was for yes, us kind yeah. of like that wake up call, if yeah. you will. And I mean, it was just a whole weekend until they tell, you know, Kennedy was put in Arlington mm -hmm. and the eternal flame was lit. And uh, you watch the strength of his wife, Jackie, mm -hmm. who after a couple of years later, he realized that their marriage was just a, you know, just kind of a for show for show. You got to have you got to have a they call it a beard you and, know, in the gay and then, world. But, and then uh, you uh, and then you have the four children. And the, the whole Kennedy family, the tragedy that's hit them, I mean, it's I like know. a curse. It is. They call it the Kennedy curse. <laughs> and, um, we got to say thank you to Johnny W. who dropped the dollar in the tip jar this morning. Thank you, Johnny. So it's a, it's it was my first experience at a tragedy happening in our country that you re remember the rest of your life. For sure. My, <laughs> my thing is about the, the John F. Kennedy assassination is, one, it's just as an anecdote here, my, my grandmother, Grandma Rose, that's her birthday. So like today is her birthday. So my dad just says that he remembers being home and that normally everybody would be in happy mood and festive, but ruined. it was ruined. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, and then of course it's ruined forever to stand because exactly. people always remember that, that somber day. Yeah. And he said he came home that day and that, you know, the, the room, the atmosphere in the room of course was quite somber. Um, but for me, I've always been fascinated by conspiracy theories and 
So I have always been the type of person who loves to find out the truth of the conspiracy in the conspiracy. And the sad thing is the reality about like the JFK conspiracy theory is that there's so much noise, you know, signal to noise ratio. So if there's like, there's too much noise, you can't get the signal. Yeah. you And with this, we'll never, I mean, there's so see, much like noise. you, I think there was more to the assassination than just Lee Harvey Oswald well, out of coming out of nowhere and doing it. I, I think the CIA was involved in it. Okay. So, so I, I used to think that that was a possibility, but I've changed my mind. Okay. Okay. Now I actually do think it was Oswald from the book depository. And the reason why I went down that path is because i saw the the jfk movie by um what's his name the communist guy uh oliver, oliver stone, stone. Mm -hmm. i saw that movie i saw the magic read the stuff about the magic bullet theory when i was in high school i i read the conspiracy theory books and stuff and was was fascinated with it but but as the years went by the the thing that sparked my skepticism of the conspiracy theories was this one government is incompetent <laughs> Yes. And to pull off a conspiracy like that, I think, is beyond even the powers of our central intelligence agencies. Right. I believe in a in, in a conspiracy, a confederacy of dunces versus a conspiracy of super evil, super geniuses. So here's here. But here's what started my path. I was in Dallas and I was on a trip and this was not too long ago. It was like 2010 or 12. I was in uh, Dallas on a trip on a bus. And I will never forget the feeling that I had as I was on this bus. I felt all of a sudden I was like deja vu. Mm -hmm. I was, and I was, and I had never been to Dallas before. So I'm on this bus. We're going through the, through this, uh, down this highway. And all of a sudden I get chills and I'm like, why does this look so familiar? Why do I recognize this? And all of a sudden I was like, this is the assassination site. And I looked over my right shoulder. I was literally where John F. Kennedy was shot, where they, they, they paint an X on the road. Uh, they, people try and clean it up, but it's, it's always there. They, I was literally in the spot where John F. Kennedy was. And like John F. Kennedy, I looked over my right shoulder and I looked up at the book depository. And all of a sudden, I went from this feeling of, of rush of, of excitement to disappointment. Hmm. Because as a deer hunter growing up and as an avid marksman, I had had this impression when I watched the movie that it was this massive, huge area and that it was very far away and the shot was damn near impossible. Yeah, I could have shot that like with, with any gun with no problem. It was it was not an it was not a hard shot to make. I own the gun that not the gun that Oswald used, but I have the type, the Carcano, uh -huh. and I've done experiments with it. And I have friends who do scientific experiments with it. No problem. And then I started reading about Oswald's biography. And I think that the, that the, the CIA conspiracy theories, they let the communists off the hook because Oswald was a jealous communist herd and he hated the United States. And he hated John F. Kennedy and he hated no. rich people. And he he had makes sense. If if you if you think about motive, nobody had a more bigger motive than Oswald because and he was mentally ill and his he tried to defect to Russia and he he had spent time in the Marines. So he was a crack shot, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, and so and also he had committed violence before he'd actually gone and shot, at, tried to assassinate a general who lived in the Dallas area, um, a military general. So he'd actually tried to commit an assassination before, before that. that. 
Uh, and so, and so it was that, that actually I started down the other rabbit hole, which was to learn that yes, the Warren report made mistakes, that there was no magic bullet. I mean, I saw John F. Kennedy's car in Detroit, the limo. Uh-huh. And, and what I, you know, what they don't tell you is, you know how they are like, oh, the, ma- it would have had to twist, the bullet would have had to twist in the air to hit him and the governor. Connolly, yeah. Connolly. But here's the thing. It didn't because John F. Kennedy was actually elevated uh-huh. in the back seat, right? And he had back problems mm-hmm. from his uh, war wounds right. from World War II, right. so he couldn't lean over, because they had him braced up. Yeah, I remember they talked. Yeah, he would have thought, "Oh, you get shot, you would lean over," but like he he was literally like strapped into, into that brace. limousine. Uh, okay, so he couldn't bend over. Um, so it was like once I started reading all this stuff, I was like, "Oh man." It, it it wasn't a magic bullet. He was hot, he was elevated. The movie was a liar. Oliver Stone is a communist, and and it was and here's the thing: the Russians and the Russians actually did plant evidence to make it appear like it was our CIA because they know that part what like foreign intelligence agencies, especially during the Cold War, they planted conspiracy theories here in the United States to get us to hate our own government because that's in the communist interests. So the real conspiracy is the Soviet conspiracy that went on that was behind it. And okay. that's to and me, that makes the, sense. but, but, yeah. but I'm open to, I, I'm open to changing my mind and hearing your theory on this. Um, I, I too have uh, been to Dallas and to the book depository, uh-huh. to the museum they have set in there. Now I don't get the fee. I did, wasn't getting the feelings like you were uh-huh. from, you know, and we just, I just happened to be on a trip with a bunch of high school kids to go down to Dallas to a drum corps international competition at the where the Dallas Cowboys play football. So we had enough time in our schedule that we could herd the kids around important things that my uh, the people I the people that I was with who were the music people, you know, to give the kids experience of anyway, doesn't it but I, I you're right. It's not it wasn't that big of a area mm-hmm. and um but uh, you think the CIA was in? Well, not now after you've kind of explained more, because I have not done one bit of research or read well, here, one bit of information except what I hear. So I've riled up the conspiracy theorists. Listen to this. Now, there's, I, I've debunked almost all of these points. He says his head would have had to go forward and to the left if Oswald shot him. That's not true. Actually, you can do an experiment on this. When If you were to take a melon and to put it on a pedestal, and take the bullet and and shoot it from behind. The the melon would actually come back towards you. Do you know why? Uh, re, um, <clears throat> the explosion of brains out the front would come back. Would blow the head back. Yeah. So when Kennedy's head was shot, people always think, "Oh, if you get shot with a bullet, then the bullet would push you forward." But that's not how physics ballistics work. If you get shot with a bullet, you may not even get knocked over. Like there's all this conversation in the um the gun community about something called knockdown power. It's like, oh, I need a bigger caliber because it's going to have more knockdown power. But there's no such thing as like a knockdown power. Like a bullet goes straight through you unless it's mushrooms, unless it it has like a a hollow point, in uh-huh. which case it will stop inside you. But you're not going to get knocked over by a bullet. It's just going to pass through you. But the reason why John F. Kennedy's head went back and to the left is because his brain exploded front and to the right. So the corresponding force would be to push his head back into the left. That's why people always say, well, why did his head go in that direction? Well, it's because it makes a tiny hole in the back, 
where it enters and it makes a big hole in the front where it ex exits and all that gas and explosion of rainwater blows the head back. So that's why a lot of people think about, you know, get confused and, and believe in conspiracy theories because it's, it's confusing. Well, I, I, most, yeah, yeah, most I'll, people don't know ballistics or, no, or I, guns no, or all that kind of stuff. No, so no. Anyways, book suppository question. Ouch, says Studio 314. Not a book suppository. <laughs> book depository. Did you say suppository? I might have. You never know. <laughs> Actually, I can't talk. It's you said age. book suppository. Sorry. <laughs> Gotta have a little humor, you know. <laughs> of course, for sure. We're having a good time today on the Wake Up America show. Good morning, good morning. Uh, I probably did say that. You did. You probably said book suppository. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. Click the like button to subscribe to the channel. Come back and join us here every Monday through Friday. From 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We will be out tomorrow and Friday uh, for the holiday. But um, but come back and join us again next Monday. And we'll be back here on the Freedom Watch here on the Wake Up America show. we got Judge Napolitano joining us in 10 minutes. But this might be a good opportunity to introduce, introduce my new changes to the Founding Flavors Coffee Shop. You ready? Uh -huh. Okay. So for those of you who are not aware uh, that I have a coffee brand, my wife and I launched this just this year. And we are so excited because we've got all kinds of new changes coming to the coffee shop. Normally you get it in bags, but now Founding Flavors, and I'm really excited to show you the beautiful new boxes that our coffee comes in. Do you want to grab that sure. there and hold that up for me? There you can see, you can see if you can show it to the people on camera. We have now, if you did, if you thought that these were going to be great gifts before when they came in in like lovely little bags, they are now like uber beautiful box packages that will sit up and will make everybody who visits your house for the holiday season jealous because of how gorgeous these package designs are. They are very, very, very artistically done. Let's take a couple, just a couple of minutes here to talk about the new package designs. As you can see here, this is Benjamin Franklin's electric elixir. And here, Franklin, is at the uh, the writing of the Declaration of Independence. And this is all designed by me and my wife, Stephanie. And you can see the Founding Fathers all here. And here's Benjamin Franklin with his electric elixirs. He's drinking coffee as they're writing the Declaration of Independence. And then you can see over here, this is actually, I think this might be Stephanie's favorite one. This is, yeah, that looks nice. Very nice there. This is Adams's Patriotic Park. And it's got John Adams in front of Boston Harbor. That's our dark roast. Here, you can put that up there. My number one favorite flavor is the Thomas's Painkiller, which you, you can see him sitting there in his little house with his feather pen quill on the side. Beautiful package designs for people who love coffee. Now, we are a premium coffee blend for people who absolutely love coffee. We are not the cheapest coffee out there, but we are the best. And remember that each one comes with free shipping. So when you buy coffee, you're seeing the price that you see on the website at apfordlibertyshop.com is the price that you get. Jeffersonian Java right there that she's got is that light roast with the tons of caffeine. So our our second, or excuse me, third, third president will put a little pep in your step. And you've been to Monticello, have you not? Uh -huh. yeah. Yes. Monticello. Monticello. So this one here. That's yes. Jeffersonian Java. Did you did, can I read what it yeah. says on the bottom here? It says Yeah, go ahead. Jeffersonian Java is a distinct blend blend mm -hmm. harmonizing the intellectual brightness of lemon with the 
agrarian sweetness, agrarian, agrarian sweetness, <laughs> Catholic education, <laughs> sweet, Irish nuns, sweetness of caramel. This concoction is perfect for those who appreciate an intricacy of flavors as profound as Jefferson's own philosophy. Now, who thought up all of these wonderful stuff? and I did. Well, you two smart ones. Well, read, read the other ones. All read right. the other ones. All right. Which one do you want next? Just go from left to right. Okay. Left to right. Okay. Which one do you got there? Experience painkiller. Okay. Thomas's painkiller. Experience the common sense of flavor with Thomas painkiller coffee. A Colombian single origin that's mellow enough to inspire a new age of reason. And with cocoa, notes as profound as his principles. One sip will revolutionize your day. Nice. Thomas's painkiller. That one sounds good. Adam's patriotic perk. There we go. Adam's patriotic perk. A full-bodied dark roast. Teams with notes of cocoa and toasted nuts, capturing the robustness and complexity of our second president's character. Perfect for a foggy Bostonian morning, best for a coffee drinker who wants a strong, bold flavor. Nice. These are just great. Thank you. Adam's, okay. Adam's is patriotic okay. perk. Electrify your senses with Franklin's Electric Elixir, <laughs> a medium roast embodying the spark of freedom with its rich hazelnut and caramel notes, a haven of warmth in winter's cold. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's what I'm drinking today. Okay, did we read Jefferson? I think I read that one. Yes, you read Jefferson's. Okay, okay and what this else? one here is, oh, this one here, okay. That's cute, Betsy the Ross. The ultimate tribute to liberty, a decaf. Brew as finely crafted as Betsy Ross's renowned flag, void of the revolutionary rush of caffeine, yet brimming with the grandeur of flavors akin to the spirited debates for our founding fathers. Yay! We'd have to turn into a coffee drinker. (laughs) And Washington. Washington's revolutionary roast has flavors as diverse as toffee. Dark chocolate and citrus. Ooh, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. It tastes like Washington crossing the Delaware <laughs> of your palate. <laughs> Assuredly, it will ignite the minute man's march to your gate and paint a constitution wide smile on your visage. These are these are just great, Austin <laughs> and Stephanie. Thank Terrific. you. Thank you. Winning coffee. Think about that. Wouldn't that be a great gift for somebody who loves freedom Absolutely. and loves coffee? Absolutely. Yeah, isn't that neat? So we're so excited about those. And, and uh, you know, it's um, it, we got the idea yeah. for those oh. a couple of months ago and, and launched the brand. And uh, and so far, we've been pretty successful with it. And uh, for a while, it was just little bags and there would be the picture in the front. But now we have a beautiful box. So it's a display. So, so now when you, you know, if you uh, have that sitting up on your shelf, you know, people will be like, you know, what, what would you like for to, for a coffee this morning? Oh, I'll have some electric elixir, you know, and and uh, it, it just it's I think just it would make cool. it cool. Yeah. Imagine like a Christmas gift, you know, a box. Absolutely. Somebody opens up those and sees that and, and all the coffee. I know you're not a coffee drinker. But it is a, they are a premium coffee, high quality, and they're sold exclusively at AP4LibertyShop.com. Now you better tell the people what it cost, Austin. So 
Unfortunately, we're a little bit pricey. Well, can um, I guess? Um, I'm gonna be embarrassed because it's probably gonna be much higher no, than you expect. You don't know. I'm not. Okay, I listen. okay so so <clears throat> guess how much a box of that costs delivered. Thirty five dollars. No. Okay, so it's lower than that. Well, see. see okay, I no, I'm not that expensive. Well, I'm just telling you, you thought I was going to say five dollars. You know, no, no, no. I, no. I know. it's it's twenty three dollars okay. for a box, but that's delivered. That can't beat that. And and my hope is is that in the in the next year, a bag of burgers at, at, yeah, at McDonald's is twenty one dollars for sure, for sure. <laughs> and what I like to do sometimes is if it's a little too pricey, is to sometimes just like you know. Uh, you know, switch off, you know, days where I'll have like my, you know, a cheaper coffee yeah. one day and then the, this one. But now I'm I'm addicted to it. So I drink it every day. Um, but Founding Flavors Coffee is sold exclusively at ap 4 com. Thank you for the commercial. You're we welcome. appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. Thank you. It was fun. Yes, we're going to have fun. We've got Judge Andrew Napolitano coming up next. He's going to talk to us on his thoughts about what he's thankful for this Thanksgiving. And we're going to hear from him what he thinks about Argentina's new president, Javier Malay, when we get back on the Wake Up America show at wakeupamericashow.com. And writes a weekly column at judgenap.com, joining us live. Good morning, Judge. Good morning, Austin. How are you, my dear friend? I hope you haven't gained as much as I've lost. <laughs> oh, Judge, we have we have definitely swapped places. In 2010 to 12, when we worked at Freedom Watch, I was sl slender and beautiful, and you were a bit bigger. But now you're slender right. and beautiful, and I'm you know a bowl full of jelly. <laughs> All right. Well, I can't tell. Your face is as handsome and as charming as ever. Judge, glad to have you here. Uh, you've got a column coming out this week. Uh, what is there to be thankful for, Judge? And uh, um, it was a little dark, but you know, there is, uh, when you think about the holiday season, there is, you know, the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. So let's hear a little bit about your thoughts of um, Thanksgiving and, and your weekly column. Would you mind sharing with us? Well, sure. So um, I wrote the column um, in a style that uh, you helped me perfect back when we were at Fox together, what if, what if, what if? And of course, the answer, in my view, to every what if is yes, 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 that's right, that's right. Uh, and it basically uh, points out that uh, government is the monster, that it doesn't recognize any restraint uh, on its power, that it believes that it is the creator of our rights, uh, that it rejects the concept of rights first, and then comes government. It rejects the concept of the consent of the governed. Uh, it certainly rejects the confines of, uh, of the Constitution. So in a series of about 75 or 80, I actually didn't even count them, what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, I attempt to make that point. Uh, sometimes I've written a very happy, upbeat, jovial uh, Thanksgiving, but I'm not happy this Thanksgiving. I'm happy in my personal life and my professional life and with friends like you, but I'm not happy for what's happening uh, with the government. The wars uh, get worse. Uh, the, the deficit spending uh, gets greater. The regulation uh, is simply over the top. Uh, the president is out of it. I don't even know who's running the executive branch of the government. I don't want to get personal about him, uh, but it's kind of obvious. Judge, there's a, a running joke in libertarian circles these days. We say, no matter who you vote for, you always get Dick Cheney. Right, right. <laughs> the, the, you know that. Right, I heard that same version. Uh, even worse, you always get John McCain. <laughs> now you know this is funny. McCain and I became very, 
very good friends on the issue of torture. McCain famously uh, the victim of torture when uh, Senator, I don't want to get too far off the beaten path, but when oh, Senator, the late Senator Dianne Feinstein um, went to the Senate floor and put in the hopper the 6,000-page executive summary of the Senate Intelligence Committee's investigation of the Bush administration's CIA torture. This is after uh, President Obama begged her not to. And of course, if, if she had gone out in the street and handed it to the New York Times, she would have had a serious problem on her hands because it was secret. But by revealing it on the floor of the Senate, she's protected by the speech and debate clause in the Constitution. Well, when that happened, Shepard Smith my then colleague and friend at Fox called me up and said, how fast can you read 6,000 pages? I said, what do you have in mind? He said, we're doing a one-hour show, no commercial break, you and me on Bush, Cheney, and torture. So I said, well, I can certainly digest the 180-page summary for you and read selected portions, which I did. Shep and I did the program. Management was furious at us. As I'm leaving the building, my phone rings. And it's a 202 number. And I thought it was Jimmy Rosen in the D.C. office. And the voice goes, Judge Napolitano, for what you just did with Shepard Smith, your reward will not be on earth. It will be in heaven. It, John McCain? Yes, John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a beautiful story, Judge. And I think it shows that despite the massive disagreements that we may have with some people, that there might be um issues on which we can work across the aisle yes. i mean we do this sometimes you know, with dennis kucinich and others yes yes uh roger ailes always used to say you got to have friends on both sides of the aisle you you just don't know or both sides of the court he used to say because you don't know which side the, the ball's gonna roll to um but uh, on torture mccain and i were on the same page obviously god rest his soul he never met a war he didn't want to fight or didn't want somebody else to fight and his acolyte, his acolyte today is worse than he was. Lindsey Graham, let's bomb Tehran. He and, and uh, Nikki Haley, it's just uh, crazy. Nikki Haley, she of the federal government will make it a crime to use a pseudonym on social media. She out of her mind, the Supreme Court has ruled nine to nothing that the First Amendment protects the right to anonymous speech. I love uh, the story, Judge. It's so uh, so perfectly timed because I was just getting raked over the coals by a mutual friend of ours the other day because I was trying to explain to some of my libertarian friends that it's probably a good thing to make friends with neocons and with Marxists and with people who don't share our ideas so that we might influence them. And to hear your story about your influence over John McCain, I think, really vindicates my position that it's important and wise for us to try and be an influence on people who maybe they largely don't share our views, but if we can help them to inch more towards libertarianism or libertarian policies, then we certainly, I think, would be better off. But You, you are 100% correct. I mean, this conversation uh, with uh, McCain was one of many that we had on many issues. I mean, we sat next to each other on a long flight once, and that's really... Uh, where we bonded and we talked about things we agreed on and things we uh, we disagreed on. Um, I have a lot of uh, friends who are furious that I have friends on the left, friends who are atheists, friends who hate the Catholic Church, friends who hate 
uh, libertarian uh, views, friends who think we're crazy. They're still my friends. I still like them. I love it, Judge. I love it. That that is so. It's so necessary because my concern, and this is this is very very inside baseball thing, but I do want to move on to more um, uh, broader politics. Um, my concern is that the libertarian movement becomes inbred to a certain extent, where we are so inwardly faced and so inwardly focused that we're unable to see the broader picture and to sort of say, well, for example, I love Murray Rothbard and Friedrich Hayek and Ludwig von Mises, but I also really like Milton Friedman, despite his mistakes he made with withholding and some of the other proposals, negative income tax, things that... Mur I, that I am 100% with you. I, I'm going to tell you one other crazy, yeah. funny story. I'm waiting for Roger Ailes in, the, in his outer office. He has asked to see me. I don't know what it's about. The door to his personal private office opens, and who walks out? Rachel Maddow. And he goes to me, don't you tell an effing soul that she was here. <laughs> Well, now she is where she is. He's in heaven. I can tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me. He goes, "You got to have friends all over the place, Judge." Yeah, it's true, Mark Judge. My word, it's true. Wow, uh, I, I think I admire you even more, Judge. Hearing you say that, I didn't know that was, if that would be possible, but it certainly is. Now, Thank speaking you. of having friends across the aisle, Judge, we don't have to worry about having a friend across the aisle or worried about influencing the incoming president of Argentina, because he is Javier Malay, the new president of Argentina, an anarcho-capitalist, Austrian economist, who is one of us. I saw this the other day, and my heart exploded with joy, because Despite the fact that we should be cautious, right, for anybody who's a politician, and there's reasons to be skeptical because if he does fail, then it might tar us all with that brush. But never in history, Judge, has an open libertarian ever been president of any country ever. I wonder if you feel the same way as I do. What are your thoughts on the election of Javier uh, Malay? I, I feel this is going to bore your audience because we keep agreeing on everything. <laughs> it's the holidays. I feel exactly as you do. I am ecstatic at his uh, election. This is not some uh, authoritarian that wants to uh, clamp down on the, on the deep state. This is not some secret big government guy pretending to be small government. This is the real deal. Uh, if he fails, we'll have to look at the reasons for the failure. If he succeeds, this should spread like wildfire because he believes, as we do, in the primacy of the individual, in the uh, essential intellectual dishonesty of government, and he believes that that government is best which governs least, that the engine of our prosperity should be the choice of uh, investors, workers, and consumers, and not central bankers and that wars should only uh, be fought as an absolute necessity and for defensive uh, purposes. I don't know how else I can I can say it. We've never had anybody uh, like this in America, not even Jefferson. God have mercy on me for criticizing <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> That's true. Your audience, your audience is on uh, audio with me, uh, with us. They know I just made the sign of the cross for criticizing <laughs> Jefferson. <laughs> It's true, Judge. It's uh, but, true. No, this guy, this guy is absolutely uh, the real deal. He is as thoroughly versed in 
political philosophy of Murray Rothbard and economic philosophy of Frederick von Hayek and Ludwig von Mises, as you and I are, maybe even better. I can't claim to have read everything that von Mises wrote. Some of it is rather abstruse, but that's his field, the president of Argentina, Austrian uh, economics. Uh, I like to to joke that uh, if he does fail, Judge, all we have to do is just say, well, that wasn't real libertarianism. Real libertarianism has never been tried, right? <laughs> <laughs> if he fails, we'll blame it on his wig. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> They're calling him Trump-like. They're saying that he is far right, Judge. I think the world doesn't know or understand yet who we are or understand where you're, our philosophy exactly flows from. Right. You're exactly right. There's not an ounce of libertarian blood in Trump's veins, and there's not an ounce of big government, far-right authoritarianism in Javier Malay's veins. And uh, the, the press just uh, confuses things either to tarnish um, and to raise the bar so that they can claim he failed, to put him in a corner, paint him as something uh, he's not. I'm, I'm kind of sick and tired uh, of all of that. And it really goes, for me, it goes in one ear and out the other. But not for a lot of people, not for people who, who are intelligent, but don't go beneath the surface and think this is some hard right uh, character. Right. They want to try and paint him as some kind of a fascist, right, to make the left think that it's a dog whistle to try and make at, make libertarians out as if we're Nazis or something. But they right. but if Javier succeeds, Judge, this could be the spark that the liberty movement has needed for quite some time, a, a great libertarian hope to show the world that our principles can be enacted, that 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 we can live under the ideals of economic freedom and personal liberty. This this might just be what we need to show the world that our ideas have merit. Yes. Yes. You know, it's it's different uh, from America, considering what Argentina has been through. There is a deep strain of Peronism, uh, which has made its way into the Vatican, unfortunately, since uh, Pope Francis is uh, from Argentina and was raised uh, in that uh, era. Uh, but you know, this was this was not a squeaker. This was not um, he won the electoral college but didn't win the popular vote. This was an overwhelming endorsement by the public of this man who had never held uh, office uh, before, preaching Rothbardianism, Jeffersonianism, and Austrian economics. If you're just tuning into the Wake Up America show, good morning. I'm your host Austin Peterson. We're glad and grateful to have you here. Please click the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're enjoying the content that you're hearing this morning. I'm speaking to my good friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano, and he's the host of the Judging Freedom podcast, which I highly recommend that you download on any of your mobile devices and read his weekly column at judgenap.com. Well, if we're thankful for anything this year, Judge, I'm certainly thankful for the election of Javier Malay on the political level. Uh, certainly a bright spot in a dark, in a world, a sea of an ocean of darkness as war is spreading across the globe and as and as uh, inflation eats away at our savings and home ownership becomes a dream for people of my generation and, and younger, there's a lot to be critical of. But on a personal level, there's a lot to be thankful for. Judge, you were telling me about your parents and the uh, birthday of, of your mother, I believe, that 99 years old. I've I find this to be fascinating. I'm quite jealous of you, of course. My mother passed when I was very young. 
but to be at your age as you are and to still have your parents, you must be very thankful. Well, my father passed away five years ago, and my mother's going to kill you. She's 98, not 99. 98. <laughs> so what I say to her mother, you're 98, that means this is your 99th Thanksgiving. And she goes, no, 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 it's my 98th Thanksgiving. No, it's your 99th. Well, why do you have to make me sound older than I am? Ma, at your age, this is a tribute to you. She, um, I want to bore you with this. No. She fell and cracked uh, cracked a bone in her leg uh, around Labor Day, and it is healed beyond the wildest imaginings of this orthopedic surgeon uh, that uh, has taken care of her, and she's back to walking and hopping around and happy as can be. And we'll all be together uh, tomorrow on Thanksgiving. That's wonderful, Judge. Well, I'm thankful for you. I mean, um, my interactions with you and our, our long friendship in the Liberty Movement began um, circa 2007, 2008, when I was reading passages from your book, uh, Nation of Sheep, on the subway in New York City, and was learning about you and your philosophy and how it coincided with Congressman Ron Paul, who inspired me to get active in politics. Judge, there were moments, there were days when I, like a crazy man, like a street preacher, would read aloud passages from your book on the subway to the passersby and ask if anybody wanted information cards on Ron Paul, like a crazy person. <laughs> well, well, that I never knew. I mean, I, I know that um, you are strident in your views, and some people thought you were crazy. Of course, we worked with some characters, but I didn't know you were reading things aloud on the subways and the streets. Like a crazy person. <laughs> I was, because of course, I was registered to vote in New York City at the time. So I was trying to convince, I was trying to get people registered to vote introducing them to Ron Paul, giving them uh, passages from your book, and um, and learning about you. And, you know, after that, I studied you, your career, uh, watched your shows on television and your appearances on Fox. At the time, you had the show Freedom Watch, which was a podcast like the one we're on right now. And I remember uh, when I was working at the Libertarian Party, uh, that we came into contact, I believe, because your producer at the time saw that I was promoting you. Uh, and you reached out to me and invited me to New York City. And you probably still remember that day when we first met, um, what, 40 stories above Times Square. and sitting, sitting on that green couch in my office. I remember it as if it were yesterday. Yes. And, and it, began, it began a beautiful, lifelong professional collaboration and personal friendship, for which I am deeply and profoundly grateful and always will be. And we did battle with John Bolton and the oh, former God. defense secretary, um, uh, oh, Donald Rumsfeld. God. Remember the right. interviews? And I don't want to I don't want to say exactly what you did. And Rick Santorum. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell that story. I'll tell that story when you're gone, Judge, so that people oh, don't have to hear it. But how I pranked Rick Santorum. Yes. This day wants to wring my neck. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this. You had it no idea. The show after I left. <laughs> oh, Judge, I was a troublemaker for sure, for sure. But uh, I'll tell that story about my prank on Rick Santorum afterwards. But um, but we had some great times and it shaped who I was. And um, and uh, of all of the intellectual influences in my life, you loom the largest, I think more than Ron Paul, of course, because I've actually worked with you and, and known you personally. Um, and we've seen a lot of changes in your career. And you, yeah. you've certainly uh, been a, a, a huge celebrity. And and someone who has advised and counseled presidents like Donald Trump. Um, 
I mean, there must be some bright spots, Judge, that, that you look at, especially looking back at your career. I mean, you've left an incredible legacy of books, an intellectual legacy, one that, you know, that I could only strive to uh, accomplish a, a quarter of. But can you tell us before we let you go, Judge, is, you know, what are you thankful for, perhaps personally or professionally? Oh, I've been given a lot of gifts. I mean, the, the opportunity to be on national television five or six times a day for 24 years at Fox and before that at CNBC when Roger Rose was the president of CNBC. And since then and now uh, at Newsmax, the phenomenal, mind-boggling success of my uh, podcast, uh, Judging uh, Freedom, uh, I was down in the dumps a few years ago because people were saying awful things about me, none of which were true, all of which were dismissed and went away. And I'm climbing up out of that hole and just about out of it by now. And uh, grateful for um, intellect and energy, grateful to God. I still go to mass every day uh, and give thanks for the gifts uh, that I've received, uh, and none of which are merited, but all of which are welcome. <laughs> Judge, do you have anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners, perhaps a preview of any of uh, your content you might be releasing today or the rest of the week? I, I have the great Professor John Mearsheimer uh, on uh, today. Got a very interesting theory about the influence of President Xi, Xi and China in the Hamas-Israeli uh, conflict. And I have uh, Phil Giraldi. Phil is the CIA agent who told George W. Bush that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction. Bush threw him out of the Oval Office and Phil uh, resigned. He has some very, very interesting things to talk about, about the team and the head of the team that Joe Biden has uh, sent to uh, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv uh, to work uh, with um, uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu. I'll give you a hint. Can a person represent the United States with another country? when they're the citizen of that other country. Does Joe question. even know this? Does Joe even know this? Well, we'll no, look forward we'll to finding out on your show, Judge, uh, which people can download on any mobile device. Judge, love you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for everything you've right. given us this year and your time and your energy and your intellect. Thank you for standing tall for freedom. We appreciate you. Oh, God bless you. Right back at you. Have a great holiday. See you next Wednesday. And See my love Wednesday. to your beautiful bride. Thank you very much. That Judge Andrew Napolitano, did we enjoy his interview? Send us a text at 573-319-1586. Again, you can text the show. Let us know what's on your mind at 573-319-1586 is the text line. Joining us here live in studio is the lovely Edie Vogel. You okay there, Edie? Well, I got a little frog in my throat so i hope i didn't interrupt anything on your broadcast i actually once you started i hit the mute button so it was no problem okay. i just asked the judge a question and then i hit the mute button okay. and then let it go and so. that's why i thought i got to get out of here because you're not going to listen I, i've been <laughs> i've had this stuff for three weeks mm -hmm. and today the crud. yeah the crud yeah got the crud great interview thank you he, i really just really like him a lot well he's a catholic like you yeah right? and i think he's and he he i know that he loves the old right mm -hmm. which is the latin right mm -hmm. latin mass the pre-vatican too yes and when he spoke of the holy father being argentinian and uh, it, i i can't i won't disagree with him 100 percent. that mm -hmm. you know it's just 
our church is in a in kind of a mess right now. And uh, well, the, it is a problem, though. You know, if you're a conservative Catholic, to have to deal with Pope Francis because well, you know he is the vicar of Christ on earth, I, and therefore your your hands are tied to an extent. Well, he just it it doesn't make any sense to me as a what I call myself a cradle Catholic. That means I was born a Catholic, generations back of Catholicism in my family. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the Holy Father is telling me that I have to change my philosophy and my thought process of some of the values in our faith that we were raised with and taught were the deposit of faith, which he's trying to change. Doesn't, and he, doesn't he have that authority? It, it, there's, I think there's controversy in there because there is a group of cardinals who are trying to call him on the carpet about it, but I, I get, I guess, but I've always been taught that he is human. He's not divine. And we're still trying to function church in the divine institution of our, of our faith, which was handed down from Christ to the apostles. And now the present day apostles are our college of cardinals are the, in our, and the bishops who are all over the world to try to continue that deposit of faith. And all of a sudden you get a guy in there who's telling you, well, we're going to change this. I just can't go along with it. I just, you know, I, I I'm have not going, I'm not going along with it. I, but I mean, it's, it's troubling to, I refuse to go along with Pope Francis's agenda. <laughs> it's very troubling. And so you have to walk a fine line in regards to, Hey, look, I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself for the for eternity. And that in our faith process, that is you have two choices, heaven or hell. OK, and I'm trying to get to heaven. I'm and, trying to go to hell, baby, because that's where all my friends uh, well, are. <laughs> <laughs> that OK, OK. But uh, that's why I like the judge, because, uh, you know, he's, he's. Is there nothing sacred, Austin? No, he's he's just faith oriented toward the same mindset that I have. I, I exactly. And I love the I love the judge and you because you are um, not the kind of fundamentalists that are exclusionary to the concept that you can agree with someone and not share their faith. Right. It's uh, you know, I, I don't feel like you want to commit a um, uh, what do they call it when they chop people's heads off. Back in the day, the, the, the oh, when the church yeah. did the uh, what, was, what was it called? Uh, oh gosh, not the Holocaust, but no close. Per persecution. Yeah, and, but what uh, was it called? Uh, martyrdom. No, but what was what was it when the Catholic Church did the whole like, you know? Oh, the Inquisition. Remember that the Inquisition? I appreciate that you all are Inquisitionists. <laughs> <laughs> even, no one even in the suppository of the, the, of, the of, church. Of, of the yeah yeah so uh, that's what it, it seems like sometimes in the suppository yeah. of the church right right, right. Who, yeah. who committed the inquisition in the and the church suppository <laughs> well like i said if you're gonna gonna get to talk about you know the war in israel and the hamas and the gaza i mean yeah who you got in that by the way that that whole thing just mm, uh, you know, uh, okay, who you got? Who's it, back? You got on that one? It, Israel, the Israel is been there uh, 
I mean, I just don't understand why. No you, shit. You know, I mean, <laughs> Israel has been in the land of Israel since. Well, I mean, since Christ. Ju- since since Ju- Christ. I mean, since Judea, it, since it, before Christ. Yeah. BC, 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 before Christ. BC, yeah. yeah. The land of Judea before that, Canaan. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm going to give you the right thing mm-hmm. as we, uh, as a Catholic, mm-hmm. I don't know the Bible front and back, like Baptist and other. And agnostics. Well, but <laughs> I think I haven't, I, I haven't, I just feel like that this whole thing, especially coming from, and we talked about it earlier about the students, you know, revolting against, I just don't get that. I just, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense. Oh. You ready to talk about something else? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I got off track there. Totally fine. Totally fine. How's everybody doing out there this morning? Can we get a like and a subscribe? Like and subscribe, 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 subscribe to the channel. I'm Austin Peterson. I'm joined by my friend Edie Vogel, who's joining us here for the pre-Thanksgiving holiday special. You have never had to spend Thanksgiving alone or like have a holiday alone or anything like that. You've been blessed, fortunate enough to not have had to be alone on a holiday, I guess. Yeah, I, I could say that. But I like I think I mentioned earlier today that there are times when I it wouldn't bother me to be alone. Mm. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I live alone mm-hmm. and uh, I just uh, I'm I, I don't depend on people to entertain me. And, uh, you know, family is family is important, but I just know, mm-hmm. you know, and, but I do know there are people that are alone. Yeah. I have never had to spend Christmas alone, thankfully. I have had um, Thanksgivings, probably not where I was alone, but where I felt alone just because I wasn't with my family. Yeah, you were do- doing something else. I was or, on, yeah. the, you know, on the East Coast and I, you know, maybe I couldn't afford to go home. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Well, I would do. No, I've never had that. If fun. I had like a girlfriend, then, um, then I would do like a Friendsgiving kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I never had the kind of experience where I was like completely solitary. Yeah. Maybe once, maybe once I might have had a Thanksgiving where I was all alone. Um, but there is that danger for some people as these holiday storms are threatening our Thanksgiving plans. Yeah. What, and what do you get? There's nothing you can do about it. It's mm-hmm. mother nature and, uh, Buddha judge. Yeah. So the cross country storm that we have right now is unleashing heavy rain on the East coast, targeting major travel hubs like okay. Atlanta, Washington, DC, and New York city. So, uh, Sunday is one of the busiest travel days of the year. Weather may impact those who are hitting the road and heading the airport after Thanksgiving. I um I was talking to my wife last night. Uh, we were giving the dogs a bath, getting them all cleaned up before the family gets into town, and and you know trimming their nails and make sure they're all pretty because the doggies like to be up in everybody's face and to be friends with everybody. So we want them to smell pretty and clean and not scratch people up. Because look at look at this giant. See this? That's from your dog. That's from my dog. Yeah, this just nasty bruise. So we fixed them up last night, and we're, I, I was asking Stephanie. I was like, have you ever, like, what were some of your favorite Thanksgiving memories? Or what were some of your favorite holiday memories? And she said she loved dressing up like pilgrims and Indians as kids. But in terms of, like, when was, what was her happiest holiday memories? She actually said that her happiest holiday memories are now with me. As, 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 even, even though, like, you know, she did have a family growing up, like mother and father, but she says that now these are the happiest memories. Well, moved on. She's she's found happiness with you mm-hmm. and and your environment and your 
I mean, that's normal. Right. Well, she, she said she's never been happier. I've never been happier. But I, I think if I'm looking back on my holiday memories, um, I'll, I'll talk about Christmas first. My grandmother, grandfather, everybody would come over to our house and spend the night on Christmas Eve. And grandpa would pretend to be Santa Claus. And we had a bell that he would ring in the morning. And it was a Christmas bell. And he would ring the bell. We'd hear, ho, ho, ho. And the door would slam shut. And then we would run downstairs and we'd say, Grandpa, Grandpa, did you see, did you see Santa Claus? And he's like, oh, you just missed him. He was there, you know, and, and our Grandpa Bill loved us kids so much intensely, dearly. And Grandma Hazel was there and our cousins would come over on Christmas Eve and we would have two Christmases because we would then go to the other grandparents' house. And I, and I wondered, I, th I look back and I think, because that doesn't happen anymore. Grandparents are all gone and, and cousins have all moved away and some have passed on. And my aunts and uncles and some of them have passed on even in the past year. And I sometimes I wonder, when was the last time that I was at grandma's house and we were all together? And you never think about that. Like, when is it going to be the last time that we are actually going to be there? Because you don't kind of, you kind of, you don't appreciate it at the time. You know, when I was, it may have been when I was about 13, maybe 14 years old, that that may have been the last time. And I remember you know, you'd, you'd be like, oh, you had your video game and you wanted to go home and play it or something like that. But now it's kind of like you think about Ebenezer Scrooge, right? And it's like, if you could be visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present and possibly future, would you look back and, and wish that you could just have one more day with grandma and grandpa? Would you wish that you had one more day? Would you savor that holiday and, and not leave and, and tell them how much you love them? Like, do you, do you have holiday memories like that? Oh, you, absolutely. Tell us about your holiday memories. Uh, well, I was, I didn't, my grandmother on my father's side, her husband died in 1929. So we didn't know our grandfather Vogel. And on my mother's side, my grandfather Marshall, he died uh, in 1960. So I was 10 years old when he passed away. But my mother was an only child, and my father had five sisters. So our family life was revolved around my aunts mm -hmm. and my dad's sisters. So Christmas Eve, as long as I can remember from a time of farming memory, was that we would go, and her we called her Momo, and we would go to Momo's house. And uh, when you speak of Santa Claus, they had we had a Santa Claus come and visit us, and there would have been... At that time, there was uh, uh, all total grandchildren for her, 16. And um, she lived in a, a, a big two-story house that she built with my grandfather's insurance from his passing away and had apartments upstairs and took in laundry after grandpa died to make, you know, to live, to have an income. And, it, and, and her one daughter, my Aunt Millie, was single and lived with her. And Christmas Eve, every Christmas Eve, we'd go down to Momo, Momo and Mills. And uh, Christmas Day then was spent with my grandmother and her sister in the house that I live in now. So it was just just my siblings and my mother and my dad and on on my mom's side. So we were lucky to have experienced two different uh, Christmases with two different people. Like down at Momo's, the main meals were always roast beef or baked chicken or, you know, and it was all put on the table. And it was kind of like a free for all with that, with all the kids, they just grab a plate and eat wherever they could up at the 
my house with my grandmother on my mother's side with my grandmother. Yeah, it was everything was formally done. You know, the silver came out, the china came out, the crystal came out. You had to sit at the table. You had to use every manners that grandma had taught you. And and then the food was a little bit different because she liked to do a lot of casseroles. You'd always have a meat, but there'd be all the side dishes would be. Do you different. cook turkey? Are you? Are, do you, do you cook? My sister, Emily, who's passed away, was the main ramrod after my grandmother's passed away. And my dad would, you know, and he died really young. So he would cook the turkey mm-hmm. and we would have some of the elderly cousins come to the house. So, yes, I have very fond memories of, of Christmas. And and this time of year, it brings you back to those. You're a lot younger than me. And I know you lost your mom at a young age, but your memories, I think, go back to, like you're saying, your grandparents, you know, and then you and now you're farming your own, mm-hmm. um, your own memories. And uh, um but like you said, I, I have I I'm going to tell you, I have no problem with being alone by myself after I've shared a meal with my folks and we get together. And uh, uh, because it's it's a house full of people and they're like I say, there there's no babies anymore. Well, my nephew, Jake, has got all babies. So being the youngest one of all of the kids, he's got he's got the youngest ones mm-hmm. but uh the oldest ones are in college my of my great nieces and nephews they're already in college so uh and there's uh my sister my sister had five sons and they're married and they've got 10 grandchildren between uh, them i'm reading this story apparently um mm-hmm. one of the more popular destinations on thanksgiving other than just uh you know family and travel to home is the emergency room that wouldn't surprise me yes. because you get a, a large group of people together. There's usually a light volume yeah. on Thanksgiving yeah. Day, but post Thanksgiving yes. dinner, yeah. they see a surge in the ER uh, with all the slicing, dicing, and carving taking place in the in- kitchen. Injuries, injuries in the kitchen. Yeah. Yes, a lot yeah. of cuts I in the ER, that. right? For I people. Believe, no, I don't have any memories of any of that happening in any of my family. To, affairs. All those you know. people slicing their hands open on a can <laughs> yeah. of cranberry sauce. <laughs> Imagine slicing your hand open a can of cranberry sauce. Wah, wah. Oh boy! Burns caused by uh, out of control flames in the kitchen. Yeah, I had to remind. Fire. Yeah, we, we had a fire on our grill the other day. I had to remind Stephanie about the um, difference between a grease fire and a regular fire because I was like, Stephanie, now if that had happened and you had been here alone, what would you have done to put that out? And she's like, put water on it. I was like, no, do not put water on it. Oh. No. So we've had to have like a reminder of our well, we go through that cycle. Safety. I don't know if people are still frying their turkey out on their deck and yes. catching catching their decks. Up. <laughs> yes, yeah, I mean, you know, I like fried turkey, and I it's and good. I I have a feeling that might uh, be involved with a little bit too much uh, alcohol. You know, uh, <laughs> as it ought to be. Yeah. People, in the, now, people uh, in the chat are talking about their Voodoo Rangers. I, I, will, but you. I will. I will tell you, I do not remember any family occasion where people had too much to drink, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and there was always, they'd like to serve that glass of wine, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, some little, and uh, uh, I can remember that, but nobody, nobody really got all intoxicated. Well, we didn't either, but because we were so like puritanical, nobody like, we didn't have alcohol at yeah. our, at well, there our you gatherings go. There you go. and stuff like yeah. that. Now we do just because my brother and yeah. I, we like to drink, drink a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> but nobody ever gets drunk or sloshed or plastered or anything at our in our gatherings just because it's not tradition. Well, and then and I, I don't care what anybody says, always ends up in some kind of a fight. 
if, if there's drinking yeah. yes you know mm-hmm. and uh i well I, that's part of, that's one of the things in this article is uh the reasons why people end up in the er um because people overindulge they get food poisoning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh gastritis um they uh also they talk about alcohol contributing to the er visits right falls cuts head injuries and fractures yeah, from people sense. drinking too much yeah yeah after the holiday so so heart palpitations that's another one right because the stress yeah a lot of people are stressed out on the holiday season right they get anxiety they get panic attacks especially because people talk like people get into arguments and stuff and like when you get around the family politics and religion don't start talking about it at a family event 61 percent of people said they don't want politics at thanksgiving this year the problem of course is that like when people ask me like how's work it's like how do I avoid it? Right. I'm like, good. It's just, I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> it's just me. You know, I try and talk about like the coffee business, mm-hmm. you know, but then it, it's about the founding fathers, which is inherently political to an extent. Right. So unfortunately people are like, no, oh, I didn't like this guy or that guy. And it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, w- I would love to not talk about politics if it wasn't like my career. Of course, it's, it's just, it's hard to avoid. That's so. right. That's be right. It's true. Um, heart palpitations, car accidents, Another big one, sending people to the ER. So increased road traffic, bad weather, increased traffic accidents. Obviously, don't drink and drive. Yeah. I mean, and uh, I think over the last couple of years, we've gotten away from that uh, sober chauffeur thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, we need to go back. uh, Well, designated drivers. Yeah. And I don't I I I speak for myself. I mean, I I like a I like um, during the week, I have a couple of cocktails out Mm -hmm. and I just kind of set my knowing that two two is my limit people in the chat say that when they drink voodoo rangers they think of you (laughs) (laughs) i mean i could tell you if you want to get a quick buzz two or three of those will (laughs) immediately yeah i like tank seven i Uh, do too i i like the ipa beers but you can only drink like and you really need to be sitting at home in your house when you're doing that exactly exactly have you tried have you tried weed yet no, since, since we legalized no, it. No, no, I still, I still have. I, I do get a big kick out of uh, driving by the two dispensaries here in town, both down on Missouri Boulevard, especially on weekends. And when you know they have the one has the drive-through. They make suppositories. And uh, you know between between, <laughs> I know you're going to get me with that. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. It's all right. It's all but I, I, my thing. I think the last time we, I was on, I was trying to figure out how much does it cost. To go to one of these dispensaries, and and I have it's expensive. That, that's what I kind of thought. And yeah. Somebody said, "Well, it depends on what kind of grade you want," and blah 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 blah. So uh, I said, "Well, it's just I." And then they said, "Well, you know, your what your pleasurable thing is if you like to drink," and I said, I, "Okay, I'll give you that." But I I just it's your vice. I just feel like that the drug drugs that are offered to the people. I I just I still can't. Just, I don't, I don't know. I just, it isn't my cup of tea. It's okay. I mean, you know, you never know until you try it. I but, did, I, uh, we, uh, one time a police officer basically said, though, that he's glad that we have marijuana for the po- folks that take it for their, for their physical for pain, pain mm-hmm. versus them t- trying to go to get the illi- the fentanyl. Right over the on the street and it kills them. Right. Well, here yeah. and yeah, be, and that's my that's one of the reasons why I believe in legalization. And and, and I ha, and I I took that to heart that night when he talked about that, 
And, and it, was our, it was our chief of police here in Jefferson City speaking to our Republican club about, you know, stuff like that. I love to hear that, Edie. Yeah, you guys are becoming, Republicans are becoming more libertarian by the day. You know, and uh, I I kind of, after I left that, and I said, that guy's got it right. You know, he's... he he's It's not just some crazy no, stoner no. libertarian yeah. telling it yeah. to you, right? Yeah. It's it's yeah. the chief of police. Right. You yeah. love to see it. You love mm-hmm. to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, the Wake Up America show is streaming live every Monday through Friday here, 7 to 9 a.m. Central Time. We're running up towards the end of our show this morning. I'm your host, Austin Peterson. We're glad to have Edie Vogel in studio with us today. It's been a lot of fun this morning. It's been fun. Yeah. Thank you for asking me. Of course. Of course. I thought uh, since it's the holiday season that we want to have a familiar face on here. (laughs) And I knew people would enjoy it, especially all of the new people who are here who haven't been introduced to you. But you and I, we've known each other now for a few years. Yes. Because... I used to be the tele, uh, not the radio personality yes. for the talk show of Jefferson City, Missouri. And you had a regular spot with I me did. on I, the radio. Yeah, about once a, once a month at least. Or, yeah, or like sometimes it was like uh, bi-weekly. Yeah. yeah, for a while we were doing it good. every week. Yeah, we had them going, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. And then I left the radio uh-huh. and came to work for myself here. And I'm still in Jefferson City. Uh, and I'm glad to have you back here on the show. Now it's a national show, so we yes. talk about yeah. more national issues. Yeah. But since I, I thought to myself, is this a holiday? We need to be thinking closer to home. So that's why I reached out to you today. And, and all of the old friends of the show who are here with us today are glad to have you here as well. Um, and for all the new friends here, this is Edie Vogel. And she's uh, she's been a Jefferson City Councilwoman. Uh, and she has run for office uh, uh, multiple times in her career. So she's a local politico and a luminary. And we appreciate that uh, she's here joining us. She's I, I think of Edie. I think she's a, you know, a Trumper, right? She's MAGA and I'm a libertarian Republican. And we have a lot in common, which is it's fun to kind of see the overlap between the two of us. Uh, I, I just want to add that to say that I'm a I'm also uh, I just believe in the Constitution of the United States. And unfortunately, in the last four years, three and a half years, three, you know, the Constitution has been tossed aside. And the big thing that bothers me the most about that being happening is all these elected officials, when they win an election and they take an oath of office, and it's always said in there to defend the Constitution mm-hmm. of the United States and the statutes of the state of Missouri and the statutes of the city of Jefferson. And the next thing you know, they're off in no-no land and they're not doing anything that has to do with the way our government is established constitutionally. And I don't know what Argentina, if they have a constitution mm-hmm. or not, but obviously the United States is the youngest of all of of all the countries. Yeah, um, th- that have had some form of government, good, bad, or ugly. Mm-hmm. And we're still, and I still think it, we, have to, we have to keep the fact that the Constitution is the only thing that's keeping us I agree. From, from total chaos. I agree. And, you know, and, so you come from that MAGA Republican view. I come from a libertarian Republican view. I completely agree with you about the Constitution. I believe in the primacy of the individual. I believe in the United States of America as an experiment in Republicanism, smaller Republicanism. And I, I think that, you know, if we can focus on the things, the areas where we agree, and if we can find reasonable areas uh, where we disagree to try and meet in a in a healthy middle. So like when you yes. talk when you talk, for example, about drug legalization uh, and are coming to a realization on that, you know, you've you've moved in my direction a little bit on that, which is good. 
but maybe one day I might convince you that we need to probably legalize recreational cocaine. I mean, what can you say? For the might, same not, might not see it in my lifetime, but for your in yeah. your lifetime, I think that probably will happen. Yeah, it's not because I want to do now, cocaine, I do, but I because do, I don't want we, to cut with fentanyl and giving to kids. You know, I I, I do want to. I do need a, a little bit more education in the judge's reference to, and you also referenced it this morning, Austrian economics oh yes i'm glad you brought that up well because talk about that for hours well i i just <laughs> you know can you give me a cliff note version yes of why that you and the judge are using that terminology this morning in regards to the election of the um of the of argentinian yes Thank you for asking You're that welcome. wonderful question. A brilliant question. If if more Americans asked that question, Edie, we, this we world would be a better place. We, okay, that's what I thought. So there's different schools of and, economics. And trust me, I'm I'm not a scholar. No, no, it's okay. I barely passed I'm high school and, because I was partying too much. I'm gonna, but I do have I do have a desire in my old age to try to learn a little bit of the stuff that you're teaching. I'm or glad, talking about. Uh, that okay. that, that warms up. my cold libertarian heart to hear yeah, you okay. say that. All right. Uh, all right. So uh, there are different schools of economics, right? You, you may have heard of Adam Smith. You know, so okay, you might have heard of. Um, let me try and think of an economist that everybody's heard of. Well, well, well you mentioned Marxists, Marxists have economics, right? Marxist economics, communism okay. has an economic school behind it called Marxism. Now, uh, uh, the Nitschke guy, N Nietzsche, he was a philosopher okay. and, and some economists are philosophers, right? But, but did he, le he let, he let, he leaned toward the communistic. He, no, Nietzsche led more. He was an atheist, but he was hey, more, okay. but he was more of an individualist. Okay. And, and Nietzsche actually was close to more like Ayn Rand. Ayn Rand is very close to Austrian in the sense that the reason they call this Austrian economic, it's free market, free market economics. You could think of Austrian economics as just pure free market economics. So Milton Friedman, you've I've heard, heard his, you've name, heard yes. his name, right? Uh, he created his own economic school that's very similar to Austrian economics, and his was called monetarism. But Austrian economics was founded by a gentleman by the name of Ludwig von Mises. And Mises was an Austrian Jew who fled the Nazis in the 1940s and came to the United States and brought his free market capitalist school of thinking to the United States. Okay. Uh, the United States, when we were founded, was heavily, fo was heavily influenced by the ideals of John Locke, Adam Smith, and other individualist economists of the 1700s. And, and so their ideas was, were what influenced the early American Republic. But it wasn't until the 1940s that the Austrians like uh, Ludwig Mises and Friedrich Hayek came to the United States and brought with them a purer form of capitalism. So before we had, uh, uh, before we had the Austrians, we had Adam Smith and we had, um, we had uh, uh, John Locke and we had a philosophy view, right? Uh, and of course, Karl Marx and communism was on the rise as well. So capitalism being opposed to communism, the Austrian economic view is a pure, well, we, have you ever heard the term laissez-faire? Uh-huh. Let it go, freehand, mm -hmm. yes. like freehand. So Austrian economics is pure free market capitalism. And so the economists who pioneered these ideas were the people who were behind Ronald Reagan. Okay. And Margaret Thatcher. 
As a matter of fact, Margaret Thatcher, when she took over uh, the uh, the role of governance, she famously went to her cabinet and took a copy of it was either Ludwig, I think it was either Mises or Hayek, and it was his book called The Road to Serfdom. And she slammed it down on the desk and she said, this is what we believe. And it was uh, it was a sign that the West, the United States and uh, the UK would be turning towards a more pure free market view of things. Javier Malay is even more radical than Austrian in the sense that he is not only a, a pure capitalist, but he is also a no government capitalist, meaning that I believe you and I believe in the Constitution, right? So we believe in a limited government. Right. An anarcho-capitalist believes in no government. So what what do we do? Because you and I, we basically believe that the role of government is to protect individual yes. rights. Yes. Cops. Yes. Courts. Yes. Nukes. Yes. You know, military. Right. And and pretty much nothing That's else. That's it. That's right. Stay the hell out of everything right. else. Okay. Right. Right. No Department of Transportation or anything of that kind of stuff. Department of Education. Right. No Department of Education. None of that stuff. Okay. So an anarcho-capitalist says that police should be private. Ports should be private. And military should be private. So essentially that they are devolving and decentralizing to the point to where every individual is responsible for, for themselves driving yes for their own their own security well, their own their own they're adjudicating disputes between the two of them they have to we have to hire a court you have to go and like find a an adjudicator between the two i don't go that far i stop at what is called minarchism not anarchism it's called minarchism so a minimal state right a constitutional minarchist so, is what i am so at, at right now our country i feel like we're on the cusp of going into the an anarchist versus the the what, minarchist which is which is what you and i kind of feel like we so so your your view you what i would describe you as is is to be the mo the, the closest that i have you're a, a populist uh and you're a, a i would i would call you a conservative populist who or a better term might be, since you're actually very libertarian-leaning, I would consider you to be something of a conservatarian, right? So you're conservative in your social views and your private mm -hmm. values, mm -hmm. right? Whereas I'm actually very liberal in my private values and my, and my I views. Get, and I, I agree with you. on. I, I see that in you. Yes. <laughs> no offense. Well, no, 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 that's fine. And that's, but, that, that's good. Right, right. But but our views are not in, in uh, conflict with one another no. because largely... I think you would not use the government to no. force people, just like I would not use yeah. government to force my views on no. people. No. So you and I, we basically bump up against one another on the path towards where we're headed, which is anarcho-capitalism, if you will. So anarchy capitalism, no government, minarchism, limited government, classical liberalism, maybe a little social safety net, maybe a little welfare for crazy people, insane asylums and things like that, cops, courts, and nukes from their conservatism mm -hmm. and, and, you know, limited government conservatism past that neoconservatism, George Bushism and things like that. And from there moving on towards socialism, progressivism, uh, statism, authoritarianism, fascism, Nazism, communism. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Okay. So on the opposite end of, of, from anarchy capitalism 
is authoritarian communism, state socialism, Nazism, fascism. We're way on the other side of the spectrum. We're towards Javier Malay. I'm he's to my right. You're just to my left. And we're we're right. We're basically bumped up at the end towards the as limited government as you can get you and I while still having a government while still having police courts and nukes. Have I explained? And Austrian economics. Yeah, it's just a a broad term Mm -hmm. for the way things should be. Damn right it is. It basically is liberty. Liberty. It's, it's It's a school of thought using numbers to explain how capitalism makes us all free. How capitalism, liberty, how free markets in industrial capitalism allows us all to provide for uh, for flourishing. So yeah. it, it helps us. Personal responsibility. Exactly. Individualism. And individualism. Free markets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's been a wonderful show. <laughs> I would have never expected that we, you, we'd be talking about anarcho-capitalism and Austrian economics. Well, I mean, maybe. one thing leads to another. I do have a, a brain. It might be pea-sized, but it's there. And it we have to keep we have to keep it going mm-hmm. um, I mean I'm not like I said I'm not a scholar I'm not a I'm not a PhD but I sure enjoy I'm not either I'm I sure not either. enjoy asking the questions and even if they come out wrong or no it's a great question you know great question uh, that's just kind of quest fan and drop five dollars in the tip jar for Thanksgiving thank you quest appreciate that anybody else wants to support the show you can do so as well or visit ap4libertyshop.com that's ap the number four libertyshop.com check out all of our awesome new coffees guys yeah. aren't they beautiful they sure yes. nice folks check Make them out a wonderful merry christmas gift absolutely imagine anybody in your life who loves freedom and who loves the founding fathers getting a beautiful box of founding flavors coffee like revolutionary roast and others go and get them today because we want to get that order in and beat the rush for the holiday right. package deliveries better than a fruitcake Yes, AP for Liberty Shop. Much better than fruitcake for sure. AP for Liberty Shop.com. Edie, anything you want to say to people before we go? Well, I just wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving tomorrow and the rest of the weekend. And I hope if you're traveling that you make it to your destination safely and that the government doesn't interfere with that. But remember, it's always in somebody else's hands, and that's the God Almighty. That's for sure. We're going to see you guys on next Monday. We're off tomorrow and Friday to spend time with our loved ones and we'll see you back on monday here on the wake up america show at wakeupamericashow.com bye guys bye let's dance